Welcome to Gold Avenue Church this morning. We're so glad to have you here on such a beautiful fall morning. The Lord greets us with these words from Ephesians 1, 3 through 8. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to pray to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much for this opportunity that we have this morning to come here and worship you. And we're so blessed to be called your sons that you have adopted us to sonship through Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. And we ask that your spirit would be here today as we worship and as we hear from you. Amen. So as the Lord has greeted us, I invite you to take many moments to greet each other. And family, as we watch the children... um, Go. I'm just taken aback um, just by the simple words of holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And um, just before we go into family prayer time, which, which is a time where we can um, just lift our, our prayers and petitions to the Lord of, of things going on in our lives and in our, in our family here and our family elsewhere, I just wonder if we, we could take a few um, moments just proclaiming the name of Jesus, just proclaiming uh, how holy he is. So whether that's um, sharing scripture and just exalting God in our own words of um, how holy our Lord is. Just naming all the names that, that our God has. And then I'll, I'll lead us into family prayer time after a few moments. So I'll start us off. God, you are holy and you are worthy of all of our praise. So now we just, just want to take time to soak in your presence and um, proclaim your majesty. Lord God, we thank you this morning for um, the ways that you have provided for our church family and providing housing for the Masikas as they prepare to move this week. Um, But God, we're also aware of of other housing needs, Um, people still looking for housing. We think of the Greens and we just lift them up to you and God ask that you would uh, open a door uh, where there just hasn't been so far, God. God, would you help us all to, to lean on you as we seek things that, that may seem uh, impossible or we've been um, waiting for, for long times. So would you help us to trust that you are good and that you are faithful and as so many testified to um, before, that you, you are a provider, you are a good father who, um, who gives us everything that we need. You know all of our needs, God. So we thank you. We thank you that you're... Um, even, even now, even when we don't have words to say, your spirit is interceding on our behalf. And I thank you that, that you love us. 
and that we can know this love, we can experience this love. My God, we bless you. We praise your name and we ask that you would now just begin to prepare our hearts to, um, to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Welcome to our pulpit uh, this morning, Reverend or Pastor John Mondi from the African Community Church. So some of you might be wondering, what's the African Community Church? So it's a group of Christians from Africa who, for I think the last year, maybe more, have been using our sanctuary here to worship every Sunday afternoon from 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock. And um, it's, a, it's a wonderful experience to be able to observe that, uh, but we've really gotten to know and appreciate their exuberance and their joy and their commitment to our common Savior. And so we welcome uh, Pastor John this morning to come and give the message. Greetings in Jesus' name. It's a good joy to be here again. I'm very grateful uh, for the invitation to come and worship with you. I was here last year, and what a joy to come back again to Gold Avenue to worship together with you in the presence of the Lord. Yeah, just a little correction. Um, the African Church that worships here and the African Community Fellowship Church is two different congregations. Just a little correction there. African Community Fellowship Church began nearly 15 years ago. Uh, it was a ministry of home missions uh, began in conjunction with West Leonard, uh, Grand Rapids North. And uh, we worship in a building, a business building. Uh, we are renting a hall on Madison Avenue. And in fact, I remember there was a confusion of an email sent to our church regarding some things here. So you gave us a little bit of your secret of what's happening here. And uh, so there are two different, there are two distinct congregations altogether. So, but uh, just a little correction there. My wife and children are here also worshiping with us, and, and we have our children down in the Sunday school section. Let me extend a, a great um, sincere gratitude and thanksgiving on behalf of African Community Fellowship Church. You have continued to support us in prayer and in kind. In a very big way, we had um, a fundraising. We are looking for a a bigger space. The Lord has continued to grow the church there. And um, on July, we had our first fundraising on Gold Avenue. You extended a hand of gratitude and generosity to our congregation, and for that, we are very thankful. Let us turn to our scripture reading today, Philippians chapter 1. I'll focus on verses 12 to 26, but for the sake of context and getting to know everything, I'll read the entire passage. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. I'm reading from the NIV version. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, 
Grace and peace to you from whom are God, Father, and the, Lord of our, uh, and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all, you, for, for all of you, I always pray with joy because your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that, the, the, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to, a, to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have in you my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ with the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak to the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ and, uh, out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and for the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in, man in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether, uh, then, 
Whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come into your presence to listen to your word. We pray for illumination of the Holy Spirit. Illuminate our minds. Illuminate our hearts. Bring us closer to you, Lord, as you speak to us through your word. We pray for your guidance. Bring the truth to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever asked yourself this question? What guides my life? What is it that compels you to do whatever you do every day? Can you rise up in the morning or go to bed at night being guided and driven by this one thing that is valuable and unchangeable? What powers your life engine, dear brothers and sisters, each day you wake up, each day you go to work, each day you sit on the dining table with your family, each day you interact with your peers and your friends in the marketplaces, what guides your conversation? What guides, what guides every detail of your sacred life and your open life? What is that thing that it is always hovering over you? going before you, coming behind you, standing beside you all the time. What is it that guides your life, that informs your life, that shapes your decisions? Why is this question important? What guides my life? It is important because everyone's life is guided by something. Most dictionaries define the verb guide as to drive, to control, to direct. Things in motion, for example, driving a, a car is guided by a driver. Or joining two pieces of wood using a nail, you have, to drive, uh, you, you have to drive the nail in using a hammer. The carpenter does the work. Or going to a golf field. You cannot stand there and, 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 and uh, assume that the ball will, will just go by itself and find its own way to the hole. No, the gopher has to drive the ball and guide in all directions. What is the guiding force in your life? Right now, perhaps you are being guided by a problem or a pressure or um, anxiety of any kind. Or some people may be guided by painful memories a haunting fear, or unconscious belief. There are hundreds and thousands of circumstances, emotions, and other things that guide people in life. 
But let me illustrate by sharing a few of them that are common to many of us as human beings. Number one, many people are guided by guilt. The kinds of, these kinds of people spend their entire life, their entire life running from regrets. They hide their shame. This kind of people are normally manipulated by memories. They allow their past to control their future. They allow their past to control their present. Nothing else makes sense other than going back and ruminating about the past. They are guided by guilt. Let me give you an example. When Cain killed his brother Abel in Genesis chapter 4, he was so much soaked in guilt to a point where he could not discern the presence of God with him. And God says these words in Genesis, You will be a restless wanderer on earth. This describes many people today wandering through life without direction, purpose, or guidance. Let us know that our past is real. Our past is real. But we do not have to be prisoners of it. We do not have to be prisoners of our past. God gives people a fresh start. And it is my submission today that when a life is in Christ, God is able, God is able and very much able to grant you a new purpose in life, to grant you a new focus in life, and to grant you a, a new strength to forge ahead as you journey your faith. So, dear brothers and sisters, as you contemplate upon which of this might be applicable in your life, I want you to remember that God is ready to begin a new chapter with you when you take a step of faith and accept his call and accept his voice. Second thing that guides many people also is the issue of resentment. Not only, fear, not only uh, guilt, but also resentment. This group of people hold to their hearts. Somebody hurt me many years ago. Uh, this person was so, uh, so, so mean to me, and they never get over it. Instead of releasing their pain through forgiveness, they react it over and over again. They ruminate. I grew up in a nomadic setting, so I was a huts boy. I tended my father's cows and goats. And what these animals do during the day, they go all over the place browsing and storing these, uh, these um, and chewed food in, the, in one of their stomachs. And at night as they settle down, they ruminate. Little piece by little piece and they chew it and then swallow. And then bring the hard stuff again, chew it and make it soft. Some people have resented about their future. And instead of dealing with it, uh, by the power of forgiveness that God has given to us, they ruminate about it all the time. A friend of mine used this illustration one time as he was talking about people bouncing back and going back to, the, to their past. It's like going back to the graveyard and uncovering the dead body all the time. You go and go back and uncover it all the time. No. Here is what I'd like you to know. God says... To worry yourself to death will resent, will, uh, with resentment will be foolish, senseless thing to do. Know that those whom you have hurt, probably cannot even, uh, those who hurt you in the past, probably they don't even remember 
They don't even remember about this. They are forgotten. So the person that constantly continues to go through pain and suffering is you by going back to that past. Some people are controlled by fear. Not only guilt, resentment, but also fear. Fear may result from a traumatic experience. Unrealistic expectation, growing up in a very controlling home or even genetic predisposition of some people. You fear some things. And this, inf- this becomes something that shapes your life all the time until nothing makes sense. And the Bible says, well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is, crip- is, is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment is one It's one not yet fully formed in love. So fear is one of the schemes of the evil one to scare you from the right trajectory in your life following Christ. But finally, let me share another thing that um, uh, guides some people's lives. So some people are guided by fear. Um, Yeah, let me me illustrate. I, I, I I had a colleague of mine who comes to work but throughout the eight hours of work, she's worried about her children. And this is her fear. Oh, one of my children probably will jump into the stove and turn it on, and the gas will burst and burn them in the house. So she's so fearful. The entire shift, she's worried, and then she goes back home. Or, oh, probably my child will run to the street, and the car runs over it. And all the time, there's this fear. They have to be there to ensure that things are all right. That becomes a driving force of your life all the time. But also the, the last one is materialism. Materialism. This is the, this is the desire uh, that says to acquire more will bring satisfaction. But the writer of Ecclesiastes says, no, that is wrong. That is not true. Because it's like chasing after the wind. You are chasing for this materialistic thing. Maybe it's a good car. You get that good car and you use it for five years and you see another one coming. And the advertiser say, oh, this is not good anymore. You keep on chasing and chasing and chasing. Uh, yo, I saw, I saw a wonderful catch somewhere in ART or something like that. And you, I, I need, and you keep on chasing after this, the wind. Materialism. Or even money. Money. These things are very temporary and they can disappoint us in a minute. They can disappoint us in a minute. They can, they, 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 they can disappear. Uh, some of you are very much aware of what happened in 2008, uh, where the economy almost came to its um, a collapse, and many people lost a lot of property. And if that is all that people were hanging on, uh, then what is it really? What is it really that is there? And finally, some people are seeking approval for approval of other people. Their lives are controlled by others. Uh, what others say about them? The peer pressure. Especially this is predominantly um, true for the, the young people where you have to appear in a certain way and if your friend do not confirm how you look like then you are desperate and uh, horrible in terms of uh, how you look like, what you put on, which family you come from. It is all affected by what people say about you because you seek that approval. But from our passage today from our passage today, I would like to underscore three things that we can learn from Paul's life. Three things that will shape our life in the right direction in terms of our following Jesus Christ. One, 
in Christ, you are purpose. You have purpose in life. In Christ, your purpose in life is clear. And you can see that from the verses 12 through 14. We all yearn for meaning and purpose in life. In trying to quench this thirst, many people have run into many things. For example, some people will never begin a day before going visiting astrology or what does my star say, uh, something like that. And um, you, 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 want, you, want, you want to see what, what, what purpose is my life at this particular moment. What, what does this uh, temporary thing tell me about this astrology? And for some people, um, if it's not scientifically justifiable, that is not worth it. So people pursue science, which and science is not bad, I'm not saying science is bad, but when it becomes the ultimate thing that we rely on, we will fail, and will fail desperately. Through it, many people come to know the Lord. Paul's detainment in prison did not erase his purpose in life. In fact, he praises his presence there because by being in that dungeon, by being, by being in that dark place, Paul says, many have come to know the Lord. Why? Because what Paul had in his heart was, will never, never be distracted by anything. Whether you are thrown into prison, whether you are thrown into the tummy of a, of a fish like Jonah, whether you are put on the, on the cross like Jesus Christ was thrown into there, this very seed that is planted in your heart will never be changed by anything. And that's why Paul says, my being in prison is a joy to me, because through it, many people have come to know the Lord. He writes, now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chain for Christ. And the people of God will have said, Amen. Nothing, nothing rests what was in Paul's heart. Not even the prison. Brothers and sisters, Without God, life has no purpose. Without purpose, life has no meaning. Here is the complaint of some people that came before us. Isaiah says, in Isaiah 49.4, I have levered to no purpose. I have spent my strength in vain and for nothing. Job, on the other hand also, says, My life drags by day after hopeless day and I give up. I am tired of living Leave me alone. My life makes no sense, says Job. The most frustrating thing is not death. It is a life without clarity. It is a life without clear destination. And when you are soaked into that problem that sometimes they come inevitably, you wonder, how will I get out of this? And we have our dear brothers and sisters who have gone before us lamenting and saying, how long should I be in this trouble? But Paul was able to give us a clear exit in terms of how we, we deal with life. He says, once Christ is in your life, your purpose in life will be clear. But the second thing also that I would like to share that Paul says is, 
you are alive in Christ, uh, I mean, when you are in Christ, your focus in life also will be clear. Not only your purpose, but also your focus. Uh, you can pick uh, some principles from verse 15 to 21. Paul was focused on Christ in everything he did. Knowing your purpose, what drives your life, focuses your life. But as human beings, we are very much susceptible to distractions. We lose focus. We lose focus. We don't last for a long time. We get excitement for a little while, and all of a sudden, we get used to a system, and we begin to lose sight, lose focus. But here, without clear purpose, you will keep changing directions. You will keep changing relationships. You will keep changing jobs. You will keep changing churches. You will keep other external things open. Each change will settle the confusion or fill the emptiness in your heart. It becomes again chasing after the wind. But our lives centered in Jesus Christ will have a clear focus. They will have a clear focus. Nothing distracted for Paul from his purpose in life. He writes this in verse 18 to 19. But what does it matter? The important thing that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Nothing shook him. Nothing shook him. I visited my brother, my oldest brother in prison one time. He, 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 had, a, he had an issue and he had to go to jail. And this man kept on calling and said, please, 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 do whatever you can to take me out of this place. It is not a good place. And my, my father and I went and visited him there. And uh, when he saw us, he was just sobbing and saying, please use whatever means you can to take me out of this place. It is not a good place. And preparing, preparing this message, I was just reflecting upon this uh, Paul situation. He's in prison, in a very pathetic situation. And here he says, nothing, nothing will shake me. I am here, not because of anything else but because they threw me here uh, because of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this, I count it as life to those that will hear the gospel in prison here. So, second thing, my dear brothers and sisters, is when your life is in Christ, your focus in life will be very clear. Nothing will shake it. Not even fire. Nothing. Um, one time, a group of Short-term missionaries went to a certain place in a, in a rural part of southern Sudan. And um, I don't know whether you have an experience. There is a tendency of some people in that part of the world to tell you, okay, you, they ask, we are going to the evangelism in a, in a village next to where we are. And you can ask them how far. They will tell you, no, no, it's just here. Just, just, it's just close by. Just close. It's not very far. Okay. And this team of uh, ex, uh, enthusiastic evangelists, um, from United States and from Africa team together. Now they are going to this nearby village. And they kept on walking and walking and walking and walking until sunset. And they have not reached their destination. By 6.30 p.m., 
That is when they arrive there. And if you, some of you, the, the, the countries that are right in the equator, by 6 o'clock, the darkness comes in. By 6 o'clock in the morning, the sun comes in throughout the year. So by 7, it is total darkness. And they have to walk back to the mission station. And they were going through the paths. On their way back home, it was so dark, they didn't even care to carry their spotlights. And they struggled with bruises and going through the bushes and all this. And uh, they reached a certain high ground and they saw a fire coming from a distance. And one of them told them, please, I don't care what is between us and that fire, that light. But let us give our eyes, let us walk straight to the fire. Let us keep our focus to the fire. That is our life. And they didn't care what it, whether they were swarms, whether they were thorns. They made sure that they kept, they kept their walk straight. And they did. And they went to this village and these young men were able to say, Oh, you are lost, but we can direct you. They know their place. Yes, but this is what I, want, I would like us to borrow from this story. Christ is our focus. Christ is our light. No matter what we go through life, let us keep our focus. And when he is in the center of our hearts, nothing, nothing whatsoever should shake you. The turbulences we go through life, we need to remember to focus on Christ. When our lives are in Christ, our focus is clear. Finally, our, when our lives are centered in Christ, our strength in life to continue is sure. Paul, strength to receive any of the options here in verses, uh, verses 22 to 26. There were two options. He was eager to die. He was ready for it. He was eager to come back to the Philippian people and preach to them. He was ready for that. So you wonder, what gives him this strength? Not even fearing death. Not even fearing any opposition. And I submit to us that what compelled Paul, what guided Paul's life, what drove Paul's life in every stage was his relationship with Jesus Christ. The relationship you and I share, the relationship you and I confess, the relationship you and I have tested. And I want to challenge us today that let us not deviate from that because that's where we draw our strength. That's where we draw our strength every day because the world can be very unforgiving. Our neighbors, our friends, everybody can fail us. But remember, even to the rooms and corners of the drug prisons, Paul was able to, 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 to light up and say, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain, in verse 21. What gave this man the strength to overcome all the pains? Nothing but Jesus Christ, that you and I confess. It is not how you look like. It is not how people think about you. It's not about what people say about you. It's not about even about your history. It's about the new page you have written, and that page you have involved Christ in it, and you are in a good journey, never to be ashamed again, never to fear again, Never, never to lose focus again. This is a secret. What guides your life? Jesus. Christ. 
our Savior and perfecter of our salvation. Listen to these words by Paul. My dear brothers and sisters, worshippers of Christ Jesus at Golden Avenue CRC, this world can be unforgiving at times, but mark this today as a guide to your precious God-given life. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then, whether anyone says anything, whether your pastor is around you, whether your pastor sees you or not, I will submit to you that in everything may you be firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Stand firm. For in Christ, you will have a clear purpose in life. In Christ, you will have a very clear focus in life. In Christ, you will have the strength that you need to overcome and sail above all the hurdles and turbulences of the world. Christ has promised. We have seen it in the life of Paul. We will see it in your life. You will see it in my life. Be faithful. Be guided by the Holy Spirit. Be guided by God who scooped you from the bondage of sin and brought you to where you are. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy before the Lord. I want you to turn to the person next to you, look them right at the, at, into their eye and tell them, you are worthy. Please do that with my, my permission. You are worthy. You are worthy. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we are before your presence this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us afresh again. You are in our lives. You have given us purpose. You have given us focus. You have given us strength. May we not be distracted by the cares of this world. May we be not be distracted by whatever turbulences we go through life. But may we focus our life to you as we follow you. Direct each one of us. Direct every soul here today. Cleanse us, Lord, from all the struggles that we go through. May we emulate the life of Paul and the life of Christ to strengthen us as we journey our, our faith until you come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Thank you. Dear brothers and sisters, you don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live powerlessly. You don't have to live in circles as if you do not have direction because Christ is in your heart. I pray that he gives you clear focus. I pray that he strengthens you each day. And I pray that he grants you the clear purpose why you are here today. As he brings you to that final destination, eternal life in the presence of God. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit who dwells in our hearts 
be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.